you're listening to The Bounding Box, where we talk about web development, geo-development, and everything in between. All right, so welcome to The Bounding Box. Today, I am joined by an amazing product engineer at Esri, Andrew. Andrew, please introduce yourself. Tell us who you are, what you do, what's your problem. Hey, Renee. Uh, how are you? Thanks for having me on your podcast. Uh, so my name is Andrew Batsuf, and I'm a product engineer on a ArcGIS Maps SDK for JavaScript team. So I've been with the. <laughs> you got to you look that for right? I mean, by the time this podcast goes out, I think the name would be announced. So, like, yeah, we had a, people that aren't aware, we, we did a kind of a name change uh, from ArcGIS API for JavaScript to ArcGIS Maps SDK for JavaScript. Did I get that right? So, we're, we're all still getting used to it. So, don't, don't mind us. <laughs> <laughs> so, I've been with the team for. Uh last six years, but been working for Esri for the last 20 years. In fact, actually, November 11th marks my 20 year at Esri. So, oh, wow. Congratulations. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, but uh, JavaScript team is absolutely the best team I worked with. Uh, I work with an amazing group of people and the job I do is really interesting. But I started out, out as an instructor, taught all the programming classes. I started teaching the VBS script uh, for Arc objects. Was wow. teaching people how to create macros in ArcGIS Desktop 8.1, I think, I believe, the version then. So I was an instructor for three years. Then I moved to a developer support group, supported all the product, uh, the developer products. Been there also about four or five years. Then I moved over to a technical marketing again, supported basically all the developer-based products for marketing purposes. Then um, moved over to JavaScript team and been with the team. So uh, I work on uh, different types of layers, mostly, you know, feature layer, GeoJSON layer, CSV, web tile, tile, all the imagery layers, vector tile layer, uh, group layer, so on and so forth. And then also work with the, the view, uh, API, Matthew API. Uh, what else do I do? Yeah, so, you know, yeah, the view. Andro yeah. does quite a lot. So if, if ever I have a question about, like, anything layer related, even graphics related, but sometimes Andro tells me that's not <laughs> what she's working on. But anything like that, I uh, usually go to Andro first. And if she uh, doesn't know, she definitely knows who I can ask all the time. And I know it annoys the hell out of her. It's okay, because I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> yeah that so uh so uh i renee told me asked me earlier what uh you know explain what product engineers do on a team so my day to uh, so product engineers i think their main duty is basically work with the developers to you know on a uh, specific projects the projects for example can be something like you know implementing time uh, animations and API. So you would work with your developers and the other interested parties, what it is, you know, uh, to support time animations in the API. So working, you know, work through the user requirements and what it needs to be done. So going through the specs of the API implementation with the developers and decide on a public API. So the developer goes and implements the uh, be, uh, what is implements the api based on the designs we have 
And then the product engineers will go in and start testing out the implementation and then give the feedback. If you find Unibugs, you give the feedback to the developer, or if something is not making sense in terms of the end user point of view, then relay that information to the uh, developer and then uh, write the SDK documents and samples and basically explain the API to the users. Uh, so that's mostly what I do. I do a lot of testing and uh, writing samples and API documents, but we have other UNIPEs also who go out of their ways to write blogs and go to different conferences and you know pr uh, present. So you've actually been doing some uh, screencasts recently, right? Andrew, what, what couple of screencasts have you done so far? Oh, I think maybe three or four, but just seems like not many people <laughs> find those and watch them. But I, you know, uh, uh, what is a screencast easier than writing? So I do short, like a maybe 10, 15 minute videos on GeoJSON layer, for example, or the latest one or the time implementation. And I've done also one, I think, on projections. The latest one I've done is the uh, support for adding cloud optimized GeoTIFF file to imagery tile layer. The version that we, you know, introduced at, uh, sorry, the feature that we introduced at version 4.25. And that, you actually did make a post about that on the Esri community site, right? So if people yes. go there, they can find it. And I think that's a really good resource to people that don't know. If you go in the Esri community, there's like a, you can just search in there. There's actually videos posted up uh, that might be published to YouTube, but they're also reposted into the Esri community. So Andrew's got some really uh, cool stuff out there. The imagery one is really neat because that whole cog geotiff uh stuff is a feature that people were asking for for a while right like that was like a, yes people were happy when we had imagery layers but they want their own uh tiffs that they could publish and everything like that so that's really neat that that's out there yep so i think that yeah this will be a very exciting enhancement uh for to the imagery tile layer because like you said this was a quite frequently requested enhancement so it's like, you know, the uh, uh, organizations where maybe they had a very sophisticated raster workflow, creating, you know, temporary images as part of their raster workflow. And they wanted to add and visualize those temporary images in an imagery layer or imagery tile layer. And they always asked like, do, can we just, you know, display those images without having to publish them as uh, image services? So now they can, uh, but they have to convert their images to a cloud-optimized GeoTIFF file. And then they can just use imagery tile layer to add those cloud-optimized GeoTIFF files. But this feature is released in beta because we have uh, obviously quite a number of uh, limitations in terms of what types or settings we support on those COG files. But as we uh, continue to add more support for those, I think we'll get it out of beta and it should be a exciting uh, future. But with that said, also I wanna point out because cloud-optimized GeoTIFF files don't, for example, support um, multi-dimensional data set. So you wouldn't be able to take advantage of like a multi-dimensional raster implementations in the imagery tile, tile layer, for example. So none of those like functions and stuff like that would work on those. Yeah. That's cool. Now, I think people don't, or, well, I guess people that are probably using image server would know, but people that, are just kind of consuming random image services, don't know that there's a bunch of 
raster functionality that can actually run uh, via the image server to get new output, right? I mean, whether it's like a DEM or like, um, I guess maybe like, uh, I'm trying to think like uh, infrared imagery and stuff like that. There's all these different functions you can run it to kind of do more analysis and the server does all the work and just feeds you back to new images and stuff, right? Yeah, so it hoping maybe for 26, but don't quote on me, but down the road in the near future, imagery tile layer will also start supporting like a client side raster functions, like where you can create a view shed analysis, or maybe you can do a clip or, uh, you know, the, the uh, like uh, raster functions just like that. Uh, just, yeah, so it's like a clipping and uh, what is it, creating a view shed analysis. So those functions will be available. There will be quite a few number of raster functions will be available on the imagery tile layer to work on the client side. I think so. that's really neat. We, we always, and it, it's kind of funny how that always comes into play when we uh, talk about bringing up some of that functionality client side, right? I mean, we do it with uh, all the layers support client side querying and statistics and stuff. And now we're looking at adding client-side functionality to these imagery tiles. Um, I mean, it, it's just a, a lot of cool client-side stuff people can do with the API that doesn't necessarily rely on server to do all these functions and everything, which is really neat. Exactly, yes. Yeah, so, yep, it's true, yeah. So the roster team's been, you know, doing, I mean, adding a lot of exciting enhancements to imagery and rust, uh, imagery tile layers, and that, because maybe we don't blog about it so much or don't tweet like you all the time, that the group may be just not as exciting. Uh, uh, okay, that's not a right word. So the group, <laughs> you know, so we we just don't, I think, it's basically what I'm trying to say is, Rene, like, uh, we just don't, you know, write enough blogs or don't tweet about uh, all those exciting enhancements. But hopefully, so you know, users find those exciting. So that, like, sorry. The transpose multi-dimensional raster data set, right? Uh -huh. I think it's an also really exciting enhancement to imagery tile layer, especially for the community who uses multi-dimensional data sets where they have to, you know, drill down location like a analysis on the imagery tile layer. Because before the transpose, you know, multi-dimensional raster data set came along. If you you know run identify method on your multi-dimensional raster data set, you got pixel value for only one dimensional slice at a time, right? So now with the transpose data, you can say, hey, give me basically pixel value at this location from all the multi-dimensional slices or for this set of slices. Oh, okay. Does that so, work yeah. with the hit test too? Is hit test just still just gonna give you the pixel value for where you click on the map. So oh. there's an identify method on the imagery tile layer, which takes advantage of the hit test. Oh, okay. But okay. now if you uh, turn your uh, multi-dimensional raster data set, uh, tiled image service to a transposed multi-dimensional tiled image service, then with the one identify method, you can get all the pixel values that you need from your multi-dimensional raster data set. So we have an SDK sample for this too, where we are creating the Windrose you know, the uh. raster, the chart uh, from a, a tiled image service, where we're showing the, the, wind direct, the average wind directions of speed and directions for every day of 
2011. So with the one identified method, we're get basically getting the wind directions and wind speed information for every day of 2011. So that's, that's an nuts. exciting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's the same. That yeah. I mean, that's a lot of data in one click, right? That's very cool. Yes. <laughs> if it wasn't transposed, basically you would be calling identified method 365 times to create yeah. that chart. And which basically was literally impossible to do with imagery tile layer. That but now cool. you can. I never play with it too much. I got to start playing with that layer yeah. now because that sounds fun. <laughs> Uh, Adriel, so I do want to ask you uh, before I go, we'll respect your time here, but do you have any tips and tricks for listeners? It doesn't have to be uh, geo or developer related at all. Anything at all that you want to throw out there? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, what kind of advice are you looking for? Anything at all. Sure. I've got people who promote huh? something or uh, whatnot. So, um, I would, I guess my uh, suggestion or advice, I guess, would be, you know, use the Israel community uh, page, reach out to us, you know, you can tag me or tag Renee also, like reach out, if you, if you ever get stuck, if you have questions, seriously, you know, check out the Israel community page and uh, ask your question on us, uh, the group, the team, uh, routinely scans the questions and we routinely answer questions. So if you ever get stuck, if you ever need questions or feedback even, right? Or even you have ideas for uh, an enhancement or feature, then just check out, uh, leave your comments and feedback and enhancement requests on those pages. Yeah, that's awesome. I also want to point out to you, if you're going to this community and you got a question, if you could please provide a sample of some sort that we could test that would be very helpful or else yes. if, you, if you don't we're just kind of shooting in the dark and trying to take a guess so help us help you please awesome Andrew. thank you very much Andrew. i appreciate it and i'll be talking to you later thank you for listening to the bounty box today please subscribe for more content